Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. While you're turning, let me remind you something's going to happen next Saturday. Next Saturday will be the largest prayer meeting in the history of the world. More Christians will come together to pray next Saturday than any time in world history, all across the globe. It's an awakening movement called The Return, The Return. In America, it's going to be centered on the National Mall uh, in Washington. Franklin Graham's going to lead a walk uh, you know, from the Lincoln Memorial to the National Mall. All day long, people will be praying there. It'll be simulcast live. You can go to that website, The Return, if you'd like to tune into it. But all around the globe in national capitals, people are going to be praying to God. And we in this nation can be praying for our nation. Our nation needs God's touch on it. I pray for this nation all the time. He's called me to be an intercessor over this nation. I pray for it all the time. And uh, let me tell you what he keeps telling me about this nation. His kindness is greater than our blindness right now. I get that out of the book of Jonah. He said, should I not have pity on this people who don't know their right hand from their left? And he showed great mercy to a wicked nation and showed them kindness. And uh, his, his heart is healed. But for God to act in the earth, somebody's got to pray. His people have to pray. And so this will be the largest prayer simulcast gathering in our nation in its history this coming Saturday. So if you can't, you know, get on a bus and go. If you can't go, I want you to tune in. But I want you to pray for your nation. We're at a critical place in our nation right now. And we need the touch of God. The answer, I hope you are at the place where you understand the answer does not rest on Capitol Hill anymore. It rests on Calvary's Hill now. And listen... I, I, let me tell you what I know for sure. I know that I know that I know I don't need pagans to straighten up in this nation. I need the people that are called by God's name to humble themselves and pray, seek his face, and we will live in a healed land. If I can't trust 2 Chronicles seven fourteen to heal this nation, I can't trust John three sixteen to get me into heaven when I fall over. I can trust his word. And I want you to join me in praying for our nation. I pray for it every day and intercede over this land. I'm old. I'm fixing to fall off. I can probably make it a few more years, but I want my children and my grandchildren to know America the beautiful. God made this nation great one time. I'm trusting him to do it again. So you join us next Saturday as we pray for the land. All righty. In Proverbs chapter 18, we're in a series called Taming the Tongue. We're talking about the tongue and we're talking about the power of the tongue. Today, we're going to talk about turn it around with your tongue. Turn it around with your tongue. If you've got something in your life that needs to be turned around, you can do it with your tongue. All right, I'm going to review for a minute. People have been telling me the last couple of weeks this is sort of new to some folks. Well, don't listen to me. Look in the Bible. See if it's what the Bible says. And we began, in, this is our base verse, Proverbs 18:21. I want to read it again. Proverbs 18:21 says this, Death and life are in the power, the power, the power of the what? Tongue. Does your tongue have power? And he who loves it will eat the fruit of it. You are going to eat what you say. Tell me the two things that are in the tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue. You can destroy your marriage with your tongue. You can destroy your children with your tongue. We're destroying this nation with words. But what else is in that tongue? What does it say right there? There's life in your tongue. You can heal your marriage with your tongue. You can make your children great with your tongue. You can turn your inner life around with your tongue. I'm telling you, the power is in the tongue. And we're talking about that. I'm going to show you today how to take your tongue and turn things around. Listen, we have, we have grossly underestimated the power of our words. Let me give you an example. I'm going to throw this in for free since we're in the neighborhood. Anybody here want to be happy? Okay, six of us want to be happy. 
This nation was founded. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What is it about people that they want to be happy? God put that in the human soul. God created us to work for happiness. And I don't care how much money you got. All the money in the world can't buy a peaceful, happy heart. All the money in the world can't buy a good marriage. But God put it in our hearts to find happiness. Now listen, how are you going to find it? I've heard girls say this. I hope I can find somebody to make me happy. Your happiness doesn't rest on who you hang around with. You can't amen that. Your happiness don't rest on who you hang around with. Let me look with me in Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15, 27. A man or woman has joy by what? The answer of his mouth. You want to be happy? Take your tongue and get there. A man has joy in his life from where? What he says. You want to find, listen, girls, if you're looking for a man to make you happy, get your dog and start talking right. <laughs> you have joy by what you say with your mouth. Listen, this book talks about the power of words to change things. And uh, we're going to look at that today. I want you to look with me. Let's review again. Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. I want to read it to you from another version. Mark chapter 11. Our two foundational verses are Proverbs 18. You need to memorize that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and you're going to eat what you say. Now, Mark 11 is a troubled passage for a lot of people. It messes your theology up. A lot of people just can't, they don't believe it. Well, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask a deep theological question before we even read this passage about three verses. Mark 11, 22 through 24. I'm going to ask you a question. Are Mark 11, 22 through 24 in the Bible? That wasn't hard. Are they in the Bible? Who put them there? Why did he put them there? All right, listen, this is God speaking right here. Mark eleven twenty two says this, and Jesus, time out, time out. They're walking. They come to a fig bush. Jesus is hungry. It has no figs on it. He looks at it. He says, nobody will ever eat anything off you again. It dies dead as a rake. Simon said, look, you talked ugly to that bush and it died. And Jesus turned to him and he said in Mark eleven twenty two, you start doing it. He said, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two says this. Jesus said to them, have faith in God. He said to them, what? I want you to start doing what you just saw me do. Listen, you know what Jesus is saying to you? I want you to start talking to stuff and watch it happen. I want to read Mark eleven twenty two from another version. Read with me in Mark eleven twenty two. Let's look at it carefully. Mark eleven twenty two. So Jesus answered and said unto them, expect a miracle. What's the difference in have faith in God and expect a miracle. What's the difference? Not one thing. Now, dear ones, sometimes when we talk about having faith in God, we talk about believing that He exists. Yes, it takes faith to believe that He exists. But from verses 23 and 24, you can tell this is not the He exists context. He tells you to have faith in God. Then in verses 23 and 24, He tells you to speak something, say something, and watch God do something for you. So you can quote it like this. Mark eleven twenty-two. Start expecting God to work miracles for you. Expect God to work miracles for you. What has happened in the church in America that we have let intellectualism replace faith and we've let human understanding destroy that? Where are the miracles? Jack Howells taught a great message years ago. So where are the miracles? You know what I read in this book? Miracles should be a constant occurrence in your life. Amen. Now, let me tell you what I mean by miracle. 
Miracle is any time God reaches in and does something you could not do. That's the definition of a miracle. It may be a leg getting longer or whatever, but here's the deal. A miracle is any time God does something for you, you couldn't do for yourself. That's a miracle. You got a 13 year old, has got a bad attitude and you can't do nothing with them. And you've said all there is to say, good, be quiet. And you begin to talk to God and you begin to pray and you learn how to pray over that. And all of a sudden you see an attitude change in that child. That's a miracle. God stepped in and helped that home. What did the Bible say in verse 22? Start doing this. Start expecting miracles. Start expecting to see him do things for you. My answer is amen. Because I've been around long enough to figure out there's not much I can do anyway. I didn't even get the right car key going out the door this morning. I need his grace. And the Bible tells you and me to start expecting him to do things. I want to read verse 23 also. It says this. Assuredly, I say to you. What's the next word? Whoever. Now listen to me. The devil will get in your head and he'll say, this is just for real spiritual people. I don't see real spiritual people. I see whoever right there. He'll say, well, this is for preachers. This is not for preachers. Say, well, this is for people that really, you know, they know the Bible. It doesn't say that. The word whoever means, we sing an old song in the Baptist church called this, the title is this, whosoever surely meaneth me. And you need to get, listen, Jesus said whoever. Matter of fact, I'll just be honest with you. If you hadn't had a lot of religious teaching, you'll probably do better than those who have. You can amen that. Verse 23, assuredly I say to you, whoever speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea. Now, time out. You know good and well, he's not telling you to throw Mount Everest in the ocean. What do mountains always represent in the Bible? Problems, obstacles, family problems, personal problems. Talk to your problems. Dear ones, let's quit talking to God about how big our problems are and obey this verse and start talking to our problems about how big our God is. He didn't tell you to talk to him about how big your problems are. He told you to talk to your problems. Talk to that mountain. Talk to that stinking attitude. Talk to that obsession. Talk to that habit. Talk to that blockage. Talk to it. I look dumb talking to it. You look dumber being slowed down by it. That was ugly, wasn't it? But I thought I'd throw that in for free. (laughs) Verse 23. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he speaks. He'll have whatever he says. Now I've seen theological people scrunch their faces up at me and say, what do you think that really means? Let me tell you what it means. It means what it says. It means you believe, you get his word in your heart and you start talking to it and you watch it happen. What does verse 22 call that? That's called having faith in God. It's called getting his word in your heart, saying something with your mouth and then watching him bless what you said. Move because you said, let me give you a great verse to memorize. I am watching over my word to perform it. As soon as you start speaking it, I'll start performing it. Get your word coming out of there. My word coming out of your mouth so I can perform it. That's our base verse there. All righty. Let me tell you what I want to do. Here's the simple truth here. When you speak in faith, he'll get involved. When you speak in faith, he'll get involved. I'm going to show you how to do it this morning. I want to teach you how to take this word and exactly step by step, how do I begin to change things in my life by speaking his word. Turn with me to Acts 27, to a classic passage. Acts 27, this is a great picture in here. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to say it again. Somebody asked me, how come you always say that over and over? I want you to get it. Here it is. The Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God revealing himself to you. 
The Bible is God showing you how life works. All the answers of life are written in a book by the one who created life and knows how it works. This is the word of God right here. This is his blessing to you right here. Dear ones, you have no idea what is out there. I don't want to be like the elder brother who said, I worked and served and you never did anything for me. And then he said, everything I got is yours. He could have had it all. He just didn't know how to get it. That's why the Bible's written, that we might know the things freely given to us in Christ Jesus. All right, Acts 27. I love this passage. I love all of them. Acts 27. Let me tell you where we're at here. <clears throat> Paul the apostle, my blood brother Paul, is in trouble for preaching. He preached and it got him in trouble. <clears throat> so he went to trial in a local court. Found out they were going to kill him, so he appealed to Rome. <clears throat> Actually, the Bible said it was the will of God to get Paul in front of the world's most powerful man to preach to him. So he's going to get Paul in front of Caesar. He appealed all the way to Caesar because he's a Roman citizen. He can do that. And he's, he needs to get him in front of Caesar because God wanted the gospel to be heard by the world's most powerful man. So he decided he'd just get him arrested and he'd let the government drive him there on a boat. No sense me taking you if the government will take you there for free. So he's arrested. He's going to be sent to Rome. And it was a long 1,200-mile journey on a boat. They're going to put him on a boat, take him to Rome so he can be tried. All right, they put him on this boat, 276 people on this boat, big boat. And they're on this boat and they're ready to go. And it's in the middle of the plan here, all right? Uh, verse uh, 13, look at me in verse 13. <clears throat> Acts 27. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. You ever done that? Everything's beautiful. Gentle breeze blowing. Got just what I want. Got married. Got married. Things are going to be so good. We're so happy. Got that job I've been wanting. Lady told me this past week, she said, we're going to have a baby. I said, what are you excited about? I said, do you not know what they grow up to be? Obviously, it was their first, wasn't it? But here's a picture. They had a plan and everything was going what we call hunky-dory. Beautiful day, breeze blowing gently. We headed exactly where we want to go. How many of you know everything can be going good one minute? Read the next verse with me. Verse 14, but not long after a tempestuous wind arose called Euroclidon. Let me read it to you in another version. All hell broke loose. <laughs> everything's going great. Everything's going, we're having the best time out here. And all of a sudden a storm comes down on them that is ferocious. Why does the Bible have so many storms in it? What's the message? Life is just one stinking storm to the next. If you're looking for a storm-free life, there is one on Mars or somewhere else, but not on this planet. And everything was going so good, and they get into this terrible storm. How many times have I heard people say, when I got married, I didn't expect this. I never knew my kids would turn out like this. Uh, if you'd, I had a boy tell me not long ago, he'd been sentenced to 30 years in a federal prison. I'm visiting. He said, if you'd told me three years ago I'd do this, I'd hit you. He said, I'd have never believed I'd have done this. How many people start out so good and then all of a sudden, and that's what happened. Then a terrible storm. What's what happens to them next? Verse 15, when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we just let her go, let her drive. We were in control just a few minutes ago and now we're out of control. 
This storm was blowing us where we never thought we wanted to go. We're not running the show anymore. Some of you are there right now. Running under the shelter, they secured the skiff. They took them on board. Verse 18, because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed. The next day, they lightened the ship. They threw the cargo overboard. There goes your money. Threw the ship's tackle overboard. I want to look at verse 20 with me. See if this isn't where people are sometimes. Neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. No small storm beat on us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. How many people get there? They, they, they fight it for a while. Things are not good. I'm hanging in there. Do you know what I'm seeing today? People just letting it go and letting it go wherever it wants to. We had a graduation last night, living free in Mary's house. Wonderful testimony. Young man caught up in drugs as a young man. And he managed it for, same old story, same old story. Managed it for a while. Then he started getting out of control where he couldn't manage it. And then finally got so bad, he said this, I wanted to die every day. Started out so good, I wanted to die every day. But I was too scared to take my own life. But I wished I was dead. Hated waking up every day. Totally out of control. Then his mama found him one day in the bed. He was already turning blue, his lips turning blue. Ambulance came, revived him. By a miracle of God and mama's prayers, mama's prayers. God made a way. He's smiling today. God's blessed him, been redeemed. But here's a situation where they tried to fight the storm for a little bit. And finally, have you ever been there where there's just no hope at all? People getting there about our nation right now. People getting there about their own personal. I, I meet people all the time say, I tried that Christianity stuff. I just cannot do right. Some addiction, some habit, some something. And that, listen, they're telling the truth. Do you really think people want to screw their lives up? People really are trying as hard as they can. But sometimes, sometimes as Scripture teaches, you just can't try hard enough to make it work. You can't do it. That's a good place to get to in your life. So in this terrible storm when there's no hope, verse 21, after a long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of him and said, Men... You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Time out. That just means he's a preacher. <laughs> so if you'd listened to me, you'd have got in this mess. Well, that doesn't help anybody. All right, verse 22. Now watch this. Now I urge you to do what? Take heart. What's take heart mean? Get your head up. Be encouraged. Let hope come back to you. I want you to take heart. There will be no loss of life among you, only the ship. How does he know that? He's not a sailor. He's a preacher. And he's standing. Now remember, listen to me. The storm's still raging. He's standing in the rain. I don't know how they heard him, but all 276, he said, listen, he said, you shouldn't have done this, but that's not the point now. It's too late now. No sense fussing at folks after they're in a ditch. And he said, you, listen, I want everybody here to be encouraged. He said, let me tell you something. Not a one of you is going to die. Not a one of you is going to die. How does he know that stuff? Was this just positive thinking? Experts said they were going to die. Sailors who'd done this all their life said we're going to die. Preachers who don't know nothing about boats except me said they're going to die. And the preacher said you're going to live. Everything's going to be fine. Now, you say, was he just being positive? Was he just trying to cheer them up? Look up here. Or did he know something they didn't know? Read the next verse. Four. What's the word, what's the word four mean? Here's why I said that. There stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve saying... Do not be afraid, Paul. You will be brought before Caesar and God has granted you 
all those who sail with you. You know what he said? He said, I've heard from God. And he said, God's told me he's going to get me where I'm supposed to go. And every one of you is going with me. Not a one of you is going to die. Now, let me remind you, storm's still blowing. Still raging. Nobody's in control. He's standing up there saying, God's told me everything's going to be just fine. We're all getting through this thing. He's going to bring us through this thing. Now, I want you to look with me. One of the most important verses in the Bible, and I want you to start doing this. Verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men, be encouraged. I believe God, it will be just as it was told me. What do he say? I don't care what I see. I don't care what's going on around me. What God said is going to happen in my life. And he said, yours too. And he said, I've chosen to believe God that that's what's going to happen. And uh, he's just told him some other things that are going to happen. And let's look down about uh, verse 34. Well, listen, verse 33, as day was about to dawn, Paul implored them all, take food, saying, today's the 14th day you've waited and you hadn't eaten a bite, eaten nothing. Therefore, I urge you, take nourishment. This is for your survival. Not a hair's going to fall from the head of any of you. Storm's still going on. He's, I think he's having to hang on to the mast to keep from being washed overboard. He said, listen, y'all need to start eating. You had not eaten in a while. He said, let me tell you something. Not only are you not going to die, your hair's not even going to get messed up. Storm's still raging. He's just, just preaching up a storm. Watch this. <clears throat> Verse 35. After he said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he'd broken it, he began to eat. Listen to me. If you're going to preach it, you've got to live it. If you're going to preach faith in God, you've got to start smiling and eating like you've got something to live for. And he just started eating and said, praise God. This is just one. Y'all need to eat. Watch something with me. Look at the next verse. Then they were all encouraged and took food themselves. One man opened his mouth and turned 276 people around. He, listen, these people were not discouraged. They were hopeless. They were in despair. But this man learned how to speak in faith. Have I ever told you that there is power in the tongue? What did he use to change everybody's attitude there? He stood up and he spoke in faith. He spoke God's word. And all 276, they went from being hopeless to being encouraged and started eating. I think they started celebrating. They believed this man. The power of life and death. Listen, you can do the same thing. That's why this is in the Bible. Not just for the story. This is to show you how to do it. And he turned the situation around like that. All right, verse 37 tells us there's 276 people on board. Let's just stop right here. Now, how many of you think they made it? Well, you know it wouldn't be in here if it didn't make it. You're just guessing. <laughs> Positive thinking wouldn't have got them out of this thing. Guess who got them out of it? Well, let's read the last verse in the chapter, verse 44. And the rest, some on board, some on parts of the ship. And so it was that they all landed safely. What did that preacher say was going to happen? We're going to get through this thing and we're going to be just fine. This is a picture right here. You know what this is called right here? This is called having faith in God. This is called getting something in your heart and saying it with your mouth and watching it come to pass. Now, let's learn how to do this. Five steps, five things I want you to see. This is, this is how to turn things around with your words. Anybody here got anything needs turning around? Let me tell you the first place we need to turn stuff around. You don't need to straighten your kids out, your marriage out, your job out, or the nation out until you straighten yourself out. That's, that's 3 John verse 2 if you want to look it up. The first thing I want to turn around is my inner life. Because my inner life's got to be fixed for anything around me. Now, let me tell you what the inner life is. That's what's going on inside of you. 
We, we don't even know what normal is anymore. We've gotten away from what normal is on the inside. We got, we're so abnormal in this nation. We don't know what normal is anymore. Let me tell you what the Bible says is normal. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's normal. And you, know what ought to be, you ought to be going inside my heart and my mind all the time. It ought to be right by his power. And there ought to be peace in here. I'm not upset. I'm not worried. I'm not nervous. I don't lay awake all night. I sleep like a baby. I don't have a care in this world. How can I have a care if I've cast all my cares on him? That's called peace. And there ought to be a joy inside of me. You say joy in these difficult times. I'm just telling you this is normal. Now let me quote normal to you from Galatians 5, 22. The work of God in a person's heart is love. Everybody's hating and biting. I'm going to still be loving. It's joy. Everybody's moaning. I'm going to be celebrating. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Peace. There's going to be patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility. And maybe know we could use some humility in this land. And then what's the ninth one? Self-control or temperance. If you pop in a court and going off on people and screaming and moaning, that's not normal. That may be average, but that ain't normal. I want to take my tongue and get myself fixed on the inside. I don't turn mental life around. Number two, if you're married, I'm married. <clears throat> marriage is not designed to be a battle. I want to turn my marriage. I want my marriage to be what the Bible said it's supposed to be. I'm in an office sometime back and a lady had a sign on her desk, a little plaque said, marriage is the only war where you sleep with the enemy. <laughs> we got a problem here. You can take your tongue and turn your marriage around. You say it's hopeless. Was it hopeless in Acts 27? Did he turn a hopeless situation around? He sure did. Listen, if you're breathing, it's not hopeless. You can turn your kids around with your tongue. You can turn your work situation around. You'd be surprised what we could do by speaking God's word in faith. Number one, here's what faith always does. Faith always refuses to look at things in the natural. I'm not going to look at it. I don't, we know what I mean. Look at things in the natural. Now in the natural, what did it say? That storm is screaming. You're going to die. Everybody's screaming. You're going to die. That's the natural. That's the outlook. I'm not interested in the outlook. I want to up look. I don't know what the scripture says. Now here's what it means. Number one, I'm going to ignore my circumstances. If I were to go by my circumstances, I wouldn't have got out of bed this morning. And I sure wouldn't believe God could do anything. Number two, I'm going to ignore my feelings. Anybody here got feelings? Why did we, in this land, we've started putting so much emphasis on feelings. I just feel like, I just feel like. Quit feeling of yourself. <laughs> when did your feelings become eternal truth? Look right here, look right here at this preacher. Your feelings lie. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, you can't trust your feelings. I don't care what I feel. I've done, I say a lot of times, people hear me say this a lot. I don't need a feeling. I've got a promise. I don't need a feeling. I've got the truth. They're ones, I'm not going to look at how people feel. They, were, they felt scared. They felt like it was going to die. Look, look, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. Who gives a rip how I feel? If I were to live by my feelings, I'd be like everybody else. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by our feelings. Your feelings lie. Not only that, Satan can get into your feelings and he can booger everything up. Y'all know what booger up means, don't you? That's theological. <laughs> I'm not listening to the experts. I don't give a rip what the expert says. The expert said, we're going to die. God said, you're going to live. You're always going to have to choose between those two. 
I don't care what the experts say. So number one, faith always refuses to look at things in the natural. You got to train yourself to stop leaning on your own understanding and start trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Number two, that's what he did. Faith always finds God's word and will in every matter. Was it the will of God that they die in that storm? Somebody tell me, was it the will of God they die in that storm? Well, you don't ever know, Brother Brian. You don't ever know about this stuff. Look up here. Find out. Yes, you do know. He has written a book. And you get in that book and you can find his will. Find his will for your life. Find his will for your heart. Find his will for your hope. Find his will for marriage. It's a sight at me at what people believe in about marriage today. Let me tell you something about marriage. Marriage is not just supposed to be endured. Marriage is supposed to be wonderful. I got one man who believes marriage is supposed to be wonderful. (laughs) One? It's not supposed to be survived. I don't believe that junk. I don't believe that myth. Say, well, we're so different. Take a number and get in line. Son, there had never been two people more opposite than me and my wife. I'm greased lightning. She's molasses in January. Don't tell me people can't get along. Listen to me. Let me tell you what I read in this book. Young man, delight yourself in the wife of your youth as a loving deer with a graceful doe. Delight yourself all the days of your life. I thought marriage is supposed to be a delight. It is. I'm going to hear what this book has to say. Quit accepting less than what God has promised you. Quit accepting less than what Jesus died to give you. Now, let me tell you something about children. In case you decide to have one. Children, Bible says, Psalm 127, children are a gift from God. They don't belong to the state of North Carolina. They don't belong to the public schools. They don't belong to Twisted Sister or Lil Wayne or anybody else. God gave me those children and they're not supposed to go crazy. Childhood is not supposed to be a war. The Bible talks about children being a blessing. Your children are supposed to be olive plants all around your children. I never bought that junk that childhood had to be a war. We're going to enjoy our children. And I said over them what God said over them. Listen, home is supposed to be the dearest place on earth. Say, so, well, mine's not. That's why we're here today. So you can turn it around with your tongue. Amen. Learn how to change things. This is exactly what happens. And you need to find God's will for this. Listen, his word is his will for every good thing in your life. Quit accepting poverty level living when you belong to the King of Kings. Get in there where he wants you to be in every area. Find his will for your life in every area. I'm not a low wayfaring egg sucking pilgrim worm on the way to glory. (laughs) Throw them old hymn books in the garbage where they belong and buy God's book. See what this book says. You got to have a, this is called Holy Ghost redneck. You just got to have a, you got to have an attitude Well, you know, we're in a storm. We're fixing to get killed. Maybe it's the Lord's will. I'm going to find out whether it is or not. I'm going to get in this book and find out what his will is for every area of your life. Your work. God created work. Find out what you're supposed to be doing and find out whether it's supposed to be good or not. Some nonsense is that God wants all his people poor so they can be humble. Why can't you learn how to be wealthy and humble? You can give something to somebody that way. God, this is good. You need to do that. Here's my point. We're accepting junk he didn't want his kids to have. And we're missing it. Find out what God's word said about the situation. You're home, everything. Number three, you always choose to believe what God's word says over what you see. 
you choose to believe what God's word says or what you say. I had a little situation several years back where the doctor said, I think you've got heart trouble and yada, yada and here forth. So listen, I love doctors and I appreciate them. I go to them. I go in a heart, but I don't understand men who won't go to the doctor. If I sneeze, I'm headed that way. I'm going to the doctor. <laughs> when I had to make a decision and I, you know, I, doctors are, they're great. That's truth what they speak, but there's a higher truth. And I had to decide, am I going to believe the doctrine? Let fear sit in on me. Am I going to believe? Let me look up in this book and see what it says about my heart. You can listen. You choose to believe what God's word says over what you see. And he chose to believe. Listen to what he said. I believe God, men. It's going to be like God told me. It's not going to be like what I feel. It's not going to be like what this storm says. It's not going to be like everybody's saying it will be like what God said to me. Oh, you've never had more fun in your life when you begin to walk by faith. Make a decision. Let me give you an example. Let's have a friend named Ken Helzer. And Ken was a musician in the 60s. If you live back in the 60s, you Does anybody remember the swinging medallions? There ain't but two people there old as me. <laughs> swinging medallions. You know, on the Dick Clark Five and all that. Double shot of my baby's love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was one of his songs. As back then. Anyway, he found Jesus, got saved, met Jesus and decided we're going to help people. So he started a youth ministry to help struggling kids called Youth Unlimited. And uh, it was tough to start. You know, you rock and roll musician, you get paid for acting like an idiot. We well, don't get paid for acting like an idiot once you start following Jesus. And so they're struggling. Financially, it's tough. And he said, I'm sitting in a chair one night and his sweet Linda, his wife came down and she had bills and the book and the checkbook and all that. And sat down and she said, uh, I just don't see how we can make it with this thing. It's just not adding up. And he said, I just smiled at her and said, I reached over and took the checkbook out of her hand and I reached down beside my chair and I picked up the Bible and I laid them both on the autumn in front of us. He said, we're going to make a decision tonight and it's going to settle it. He said, we're going to decide which one of them books we're going to believe. And he said, if we're going to believe that checkbook over that Bible, I'm quitting and tomorrow I'm going to go get a job. But if we're going to believe that Bible over that checkbook and what it says in there about God being faithful to those who honor him, we're going to trust him from here on out. He said, now, let's decide, me and you right now. We're going to believe what God says or we're going to believe what that checkbook says. It was faith always chooses to believe what God says over anything else. And he said, we decided that night we'd trust God. And now here, 40 some years later, he's still blessing and still helping people. But there comes a, the great crisis in life is not how tough you are. Are you going to believe God? Or are you going to believe what you see? Are you going to believe this word above everything? You have got to believe his word and go with what he says. And the Bible said this, faith always chooses to believe what God says over what it sees. Now, let me throw this in. You can believe God with your heart because it's in your heart. You can believe God in your heart with your head laughing at you. I've done it a many a time. Many a time I'll just say, well, this is what God says and I believe him. And my head will say, you lost your mind. You've lost me. You've lost your mind. It'll, listen, he'll just laugh at me. Just laugh at me. Just mock me. What you going to do now? I'm riding down the road going through Alabama. I remember I went by a little sign that said Fort Payne, Alabama. Does anybody know what Fort Payne, Alabama is? I ain't no rednecks. Well, one, ain't no rednecks in here. That's the home of the country singing music group, Alabama. And I thought, well, that's where they are. And I'm riding down the road that night. And I was, we're going through a little bit of a financial pinch. I'm driving my truck. And I get, this thing got in my mind. What you going to do now? What you going to do now? What you going to do? What you going to do? And uh, before long, I'm riding down. It's not, I had the windows down late at night, three o'clock in the morning. Nobody out there. And the front wheels 
You know, truck tires make noise like they do. The front wheels got to singing and do it. What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? What you gonna do now? What you gonna? They started going around like that. And then the drive axles joined in singing bass. And we got a quartet going. Pretty soon all 18 tires are singing and I got a choir hollering at me. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do now? <laughs> Doubt's starting to creep in. I just reached over on the dog box, which is the middle of the truck, picked up my Bible, said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna act like the Bible's true because it is. And all of a sudden, dead silence. I mean, the truck is still rolling, but it sounds more like tires than a choir then. <laughs> There's always going to be a battle over what you see versus what he says. You've got to choose to believe what his word says. Number three, what his word says. Number four, then faith always speaks what it believes instead of what it sees. That man stood up. He said, well, praise God. I'm going I'm to pray about this. And I don't want nobody to think I'm an idiot. I'm not about to stand up and tell sailors they're not going to die. And just, and just in case it don't work out well, I ain't going to sail nothing that way. I got one foot out of the boat here. No, he stood up right in the middle. Everybody said, Every, we're all going to live. Nobody, your hair's not even going to get messed up. Wind just blowing, storm blowing him, hanging on the mast. They're all hanging on. He said, ain't nobody going to get hurt. He got washed away, come back over again. Faith will stand up and look like an idiot in front of everybody. Faith's going to say what God says and your head's going to be saying, you done done it now. You, done, you look like a fool. You done wrote a check and you got to cover it. When you say what God says, you're not the one responsible for covering that check. He is. It's going to say what he says. Listen to me. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Believe in your heart and say what's going to happen. You say what he says. Let me give you an example. Years ago in another church, I had a lady came to work with us. She was a secretary with us. She was wonderful. I loved her. She'd had a rough life. So that, yeah, that's, that's church talk for she was a alien. She'd had a rough life. But she met Jesus. I mean, she met Jesus. And this woman had faith. She just had, I think she had more faith than any two preachers put together I ever met. She just had great faith. And her husband, he hadn't gotten straightened out yet. He was a, he was a goober. Y'all know what a goober is. Well, that's about as good as I can talk in church. He was a goober. And he was lost as a ball in high weeds and acting like a goober. And she's married to this goober. And uh, she, she just full of life and hope and faith. And I never heard her speak negative one time about him. Never heard her whine. I'd ask her, I'd say, how's Ronnie? She'd say, she'd look at me and she'd say, that man's going to love God one day. She'd say, that man's going to serve God. She said, that man's going to honor God and God's going to use that man. I'd say, I was talking about your husband, <laughs> Ronnie. <laughs> Listen to what Romans 4 says. Faith calls those things which be not as though they already were. Faith says what God says when can't nobody else see it. And she, listen, he didn't straighten up the next week either. Nor the next week. I know him. That man loves God as much as anybody I know today. Honors God. You know why? His wife turned it around with her tongue. Instead of talking about how bad he was and how rotten he was and whining, she just called God's truth out. Spoke his word. You understand this? You know what that's called? That's faith in God. Have faith in God. Talk to that problem. Tell it what God says. Say what you want to happen according to his word and watch, you will have what you, some of you women run around and say, my husband's an idiot, my husband, he's going to keep staying one long as you keep saying it. 
I should have got one amen out of that. <laughs> I hear parents say, I'm afraid my kid's going to get on drugs. Why would you say something like that? Quit that stuff. There's death in the power of your tongue. Take your tongue and bring life with it. Everybody repeat after me. All my children will be taught of the Lord. Great will be the peace of my children. Say it, say it, say it. By the way, I didn't make that up. That came straight from God's word. I don't care if you're in a storm right now. Keep saying what he says. Don't look at the storm. Look at the word. Faith is going to speak what it says. By, let me say it again. The storm was still raging. Been 14 days since he told them the first time. It's getting darker. They're getting blown all over creation. He's laughing, celebrating about how good it's going to be. You say he's lost his mind. No, he's found God's word. That's called faith. Last of all, God always honors what you speak in faith. What happened? You listen to me. Every one of them would have died. Every one of them would have died if one man hadn't heard God and stood up and said what God said. But he turned that whole situation around with his tongue by speaking God's word in faith. Listen, it's, listen to this. I'm going to quote it again. I am watching over my word to perform it. I'm just watching. I'm just waiting for you to say it so I can make it happen. But if you don't say it, I can't make it happen. So how come the Lord don't do something? He's waiting on you. He's, he sent you his word and told you in the Bible what to do. Sent you a preacher to stand up here and holler at you. Make it clear. It's in your court, doc. Stand up and say it. God will honor what you say if you'll speak his word in faith. Let me just click this off real quick. In every area of your life, you find God's will for everything about your life, your family, everything. Finances, health. Find his word for your health. Find out what he says and then listen to me. Chew on it. Quit chewing on the bad stuff. Quit laying in bed at night with your mind going round and round over the junk. You're meditating on death. And if you meditate death, you're going to speak death and you're going to bring death. Quit laying awake thinking about how bad the youngins are. Get in God's, listen, chew on God's word. We looked at Joshua chapter one, verse eight last week. Son, let this word be in your heart. Chew on it day and night. Speak it so you can make your way successful. Start chewing on the promises of God instead of your problems. Amen. Get them in there. Chew on them. You say, well, this might take some effort. Life is effort. I'm fixing to quote a great verse to you here. It's in third biggers. Here's a great verse. <laughs> Any old dead fish can float down the river with all the other dead fishes. Champions turn around and swim upstream. Even if they bumping into dead fishes going downstream the whole time, you just keep swimming. Chew on what God's word said. Listen to me. Say it with confidence. Say it with, you don't have to feel anything. If God said it, I'm confident. Speak his word with confidence. Say it out loud. Say it in your prayer. Let me tell you what prayer really becomes. Instead of saying, oh Lord, oh Lord, stand up and praise him and thank him for what he said he'd do. I'm gonna praise you and thank you that this marriage has your hand on it. Thank you that my wife is the blessing to me that you designed her to be. I praise you. Stand up and declare his goodness in prayer. Say it with confidence. So I don't... I don't want to be overly confident. Dear ones, God Almighty has spoken. You can't get any more confident than that. He didn't stand up and say, boys, I think if everything works out all right and, and maybe if this thing will not, we might make it. I'm not sure. Well, never mind. I shouldn't have bothered y'all. He stood up and said, not a one of you is going to die. 
Your hair's not even going to get messed up. I like that. We got people talking trash. You need to stand up and talk truth. Tell them, speak it out loud. And then last of all, hold fast your confession. Because let me tell you something. It may not come within five minutes. But what does the Bible say? You wait for it. It will come. One more verse. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now he spoke that word and listen to me. Listen to me. Nothing happened. He spoke God's word. He said what God said and nothing happened for day one, day two, day three. But you know what? He didn't back down. He held on to what he'd said and God brought it to pass. I'm going to give you an example, but let's read Hebrews. Here's another verse you need to hang on to. Hebrews 10 verse 23. Hebrews 10, 23. All right, look with me. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. What's confession? Does anybody know what confession means? It's what you say with your mouth. You have confessed God's word. You've called out loud. Hold fast your confession. What is without wavering? What does it mean without wavering? Well, it's taking longer than I thought. Oh, Lord, they're getting worse. It's getting worse. A lot of times between the time you start believing God and you see the miracle, it may get worse. Who cares? Did it happen with Jesus that way? Does anybody remember Mark chapter nine? A man brought his son to Jesus and said, you got to fix my son. The devil's trying to kill him. And Jesus said, I'll do it. And Jesus said, come out that boy. And he spoke. Did it come out? No, it didn't. The Bible said that thing thrashed him around, threw him down, and they saw that he appeared to be one dead. Jesus prayed and he got worse for a little bit. And then it looked like he was dead. I said, I'm asking Jesus to pray for my youngest. He was bad, but now he's dead. Look what he did to him. <laughs> it did. said he appeared to be dead. What's the next verse say? Jesus reached down, picked him up by the hand, healed and gave him back to his father. There was a period between his prayer, what he said, and between the actual blessing. That's where you got to be without wavering. When you're believing God for your family and your life and your job and your heart, listen to me, some of you, you're stuck in an addiction. You're stuck in some garbage. You just won't go away. You say, I prayed and prayed. Hold fast to the confession of your faith. Jesus didn't die so you could be in bondage. You're not supposed to be in bondage to pornography, alcohol, a stinking attitude, bitterness, loneliness, pitiful, low self-esteem, garbage, anything else. Hold fast till it comes to pass. There's a battle in there sometimes. It's called the good fight of faith. Hold fast to your confession without wavering. Don't let what you see change anything. What's this? Because he who promised is faithful. I didn't make this stuff up. God told you this stuff. If he makes a promise, he's faithful to it. And you hold to that promise till it comes to pass. And when the storm gets worse, you just, I know what he said and I'm holding on to it. There's a great old country song came out of this verse. You ever heard it? That's my story and I'm sticking to it. You need to believe that. That's God's word and I'm sticking to it. I don't care what I see. Dear ones, listen to me. All of life is going to be an up and down. God's word is the standard. The Bible says we have it as an anchor of the soul and you hold to it. I don't want to quit by telling you, I'll give you an illustration on this. Sometimes you got to hold on to your, to your confession. All right, years ago, I'll tell you a situation with one of my daughters. I didn't ask permission to tell the story, so I'm probably in trouble. But I'm not going to tell you which one it is, so that way they're anonymous. But she went to school, came out and met this boy. And uh, he's a nice fellow, I guess, for somebody else, but I didn't much care for him. Can I get a witness? Amen. Hey, amen. I knew I'd get amen in here directly. This ain't none of your business. You shut your face. I paid for everything. 
He ain't done nothing. Couldn't even dress himself without his mama's help. Yeah, I'm in trouble now. Anyway, so she gets to hanging around with this boy. And I mean, in no time at all, he calls me on the phone one night, asked, could he marry her? I said, number one, you don't ask this kind of stuff over the phone. Finally got something we can amen, don't we? I said, number two, the answer would be no, whether you was here or there, it wouldn't matter to me. I thought, have you lost your mind? Well, they got engaged and uh, he wasn't a bad fella. He just wasn't a right fella. Bible says you're not supposed to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And he wasn't who God wanted her to marry him. So how do you know this kind of stuff? I know this kind of stuff. Daddies know this kind of stuff. Listen to your daddy. Can I get an amen? All right. And I knew it wasn't of the Lord. All right, now listen, I'm in a dilemma now. Got my daughter fixing to marry somebody. She's got no business marrying. Here's the worst part about it. He's going to be having my grandchildren one day. And you know what I know for a fact from the Bible? You don't get racehorses out of mules. You've got to match them up good. That ain't going to work right there. Now I'm looking down the road at the future, wondering what does this mean? Well, I knew it wasn't of the Lord. All right. Now let me tell you what I can do here. How many of you know I should go to her and tell her, you can't do it. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen to me, listen to me. Your children reach a sort of a place in life where you can't tell them much anymore. 18 months. That's it right there. Can I get a witness? All right, I knew, listen, I knew it wouldn't do no good to talk to her. Sure wouldn't do no good to talk to him. He couldn't understand me anyway. Wouldn't do no good to talk to her. So you know what? I, I just smiled. Praise the Lord. We looking at caterers. We looking at florists. I'm looking at the door. They looking at all kinds of stuff. Do you know what I said? Well, listen to me. Listen to me. This is the make it or break it place in life right here. Well, Brother Brian, it's none of your business. They get to make their own decisions. No, they don't. That child is my gift from God. That child's created by God. She's born again. She belongs to him. It's not even her decision. Not my decision either. Jesus is Lord. And he can do better than that. I'm glad my wife's father didn't think like this at one time, but he can do better than that. So you know what I did? I just smile in front of him. Hey, it's so good to have you. So good to have you. But I went before the Lord in prayer and I declared his word over that situation. And I'd walk in the woods and I would say, this is not of the Lord. Your kingdom's going to come. Your will's going to be done. Just as surely as you brought Eve to Adam, you'll be the one who decides who she marries. This is not. And I just declare it in prayer and just pray and believe. Praise God. And nothing changed. That's where it says without wavering, hold on to the confession. And I held on to it. You know why? This book trumps anything I see. I don't care what I feel. And I held on to that word and I held on to it. I still, I can take you to the poplar tree I'm standing under behind my house in the woods out there praying. When I'm praying over this thing and I'm declaring and I wasn't saying, oh Lord, it'll be terrible. My grandkids will have three heads. It's going to be awful. I don't do that mess. I'm walking out declaring the kingdom of God's going to come in this thing. Your will's going to be done. She's going to marry who you want her to marry and your hand's going to be on that thing. And my caring kids are going to glow in the dark. That's what the deal is. And I remember I can take you to the very spot where all of a sudden my spirit just went. And a quiet came over me so quiet I couldn't have spoke if I had to. And I just knew he gone. It's over. 
He came the next weekend. They still planted, but I just smiled and said, you gone. I didn't say it out loud. I'm just smiling thinking, y'all doing good? He out of here. You better be enjoying him while you can. I'm telling you, God is faithful. He cares about every area of your life, especially this one. And uh, happened to be a couple weeks later, I'm riding, I had to go down that part of the world and she took me back to where my truck was and uh, we got back, she's gonna drop me off at night and I'm sitting there and I said, sweetheart, let me ask you a question. She said, yes. And I said, now you're sure, you're sure that this marriage, this is the will of God. She said, yes. I said, fine, good, amen, good night. <laughs> I got out of the truck. Got, in my, or got out of the car, got in my truck. I hadn't gone an hour up the road, the phone rang and it was her. I put her answer, she's crying. She said, what am I gonna do? She said, I've made a mistake. What am I gonna do? How do I get out of this? I said, I got the answer for that. <laughs> baby, I, I can get you out of this as long as you know. No sense me talking to her when God will talk to her. And let me tell you something, she went on to marry a fine young man that loves God. My grandchildren gonna glow in the dark one day if they ever get here. Can I get a witness? <laughs> But here's the point. Here's the point. I did not say, well, that's just the way life is. I said, what God says is going to happen in this book. And I confessed it. I held to it. There was a period where it didn't look like it. Who cares? That's called faith when you hold on in the middle of it. We a, again, we had a graduation last night at Living Free. It was wonderful, wonderful changes of lives down there. And I prayed for them folks. And I didn't say, Lord, be with them. Lord, be with them. I declare you will be blessed with the promise of God. He will surround you with people that love you. The angels of God will travel with you. Dear ones, say what God says and hold to that confession. This is fun. Life becomes fun when you're not a kickball no more. Listen, stand up and take over in the name of Jesus. All right, I've got to quit by saying this. <clears throat> Turn your world around with your tongue. Do what this man did. I don't care how hopeless it is. Turn it around with your tongue. Faith can do this. Now, you saw him do it. You've seen it in the Bible. I'll speak to every person in here. You can do this. Every one of you can do this. Guess what it said? Whoever. I don't care if you ain't. I don't care if you got drunk last night. Repent and do this. I don't care if you, if you never read the Bible in your life. Believe God and get in there and find out. You can do this. Take over your life, your family, your situation. Now, what you don't have authority over, you don't have authority over, but you got over enough to change things. And turn it around with your tongue. Do not let it fall like that. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and thank you. We're, we're wishing you to do something. We're wishing you to do something. You sent your word and told us what to do. I thank you and praise you that the ball is in our court. I give you the praise and glory. Praise God. Your word said now. And when you say now, that means now. Abide faith and hope and love. Thank you. The love of God is still here. You still care about every person. I thank you that hope is still in this earth today. We can still expect you to work great miracles. And thank you that faith is still here. And you've given us faith to change anything we need to. That's not in line with your word. I pray for every person in this room. In Jesus name. They will not accept kickball life. They will not accept it. They will be everything you died to make them. They'll have everything you died to give them. And they'll be everything your word says they are by faith. I trust you for that. 
Thank you that you've given us the power to bring alive in our tongues. In Jesus' name, what a tool. I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for loving us so much. And now, Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you that everybody in this room was chosen. Everybody in this room is predestined to be a child of God. Not one person in here chosen to go to hell forever. Every one of them. Lord Jesus, for those that are on board, I thank you. For those that need to get on board, we're going to do it right now. I praise you and thank you that heaven's door is open wide through the arms of Jesus and the cross. Holy Spirit, I trust you to go around this room and round them all up. Bring everybody in here that don't know Jesus yet. Bring them to the cross right now. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Friends, you've got to make a decision. God created you to be loved by Him, cared for, blessed, and spend eternity with Him. But you've got to make a decision to do it. You've got to choose Jesus or death. Listen to what the Bible said. If you'll believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead for you and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You can become a child of God, have eternal life and His blessing forever. It's His gift to you. But you've got to reach out by faith and take it. Let's do it right now. Seated right there where you're at. Pray this with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died on a cross for my sins. But I believe you rose from the grave because you are mighty in power. And I thank you for that. I believe you died for me. And right now I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I turn from them in Jesus' name. And I declare that from this day forward, you are my Savior, my Lord, and my love. And I accept your salvation and thank you that you received me as a son or daughter. I give you all the praise and glory. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for saving me. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Now, if you prayed that in a minute, raise your hand real high where I can see it. Put them up real high. Thank you. Put those down. All the praise and glory and honor. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that life is as promising and bright as the promises of God. I thank you for your word. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.